0: This is one Heat minute.
1: Drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. You look like gangbangers working the local 7 Eleven You? Robbery, homicides, take it. Give me
0: all you got! This and- Give me all you got! I do what I do best takes course, you do what you do best, I'm trying to stop guys like me. A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's LA crime opus, Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute, I'm your host Blake Howard, and joining me today is uh, someone who's been a really uh, warm supporter of the One Heat Minute podcast and has come as most of our guests do with um, big recommendations from numerous people I believe um, I believe originally and I'm just going to go back and check uh, and, and, and check here it was Jordan Harper was one of our great guests in episode 97 um, who came on and I believe he originally tagged this guest on on Twitter to say, look, this thing exists, you must be listening. Um, And then uh, one of our most recent guests uh, being um, the awesome uh, John Abrams from Daily Grindhouse also said, look, this is a guy that uh, amongst the heat people that are in the world, this is someone that you need to have on the show. Um, Thankfully, we've been able to make it happen very quickly, so you're getting to hear him As we're recording this today, Australian time, you're going to get this episode. So it's really exciting for me. This man is an author um, of uh, his most sort of lauded um, piece of writing and novel, Peckerwood, um, is out there. It was republished in 2013. Um, he frequently publishes on Hard-Boiled Wonderland, which is his personal blog, which I love. The t- uh, subtitle is Noir Literature, Film, and Culture. And A heat uh, a, a fanatic um, and, a fam- and a familiar of uh, L.A. takedown, including he does give some great Twitter. This man is Jedediah Ayers, Jedediah, welcome to one hate minute
1: i can't believe i actually made it here I, <laughs> I found out about this podcast uh yeah i think i was tagged in that tweet with jordan harper i think our, our mutual friend kent gowran in chicago uh tagged us in that and alerted us to the uh the concept and the uh the existence and then the next thing i know i'm yeah i'm 30 episodes in and jordan's already recording an episode and that, yeah uh, I feel like I've been—you've been doing this for a while—but I've been caught up in a whirlwind romance here with uh, with one <laughs> heat minute. So it's really great to be on.
0: Thank you so much for coming on, and you—you haven't—we haven't given you a minute that has any breathing space. Uh, we've kind of jetted I We've kind of thrown you like firmly in the deep end wedged right in the middle of this heist in this huge pregnant pause just before there's gunfire um, so as Tom Sizemore's Michael Torito is walking out of the bank um, into the car with uh, Don Braden Dennis Haysbert's character and we're starting to see LA um, robbery homicide division Vincent Hanna's team encroaching in um, and, and trying to sort of trigger this trap and catch these guys in the act without there being too much carnage. But as we know, the preceding minutes, there is going to be that carnage. So we're at the 107th minute of Michael Mann's 1995 crime opus. Oscar Hillstrom on episode 104 called it the greatest TV remake of all time, Um, uh, which I think is unfair but deathly accurate. Um, So what uh, Jedediah and I are going to do is we're going to watch and listen to that 107th minute um, and, and, and then we're going to dive in because there is just so much to unpack even in this very, uh, in, this, in this 60 seconds as you know that's the discipline alright, let's have a listen you guys have a listen along too and uh, we'll come back and we'll chat
1: Coming out. Okay, we're gonna have to take them in the car. Wait till they are all in. Get clean shots.
0: Watch your background. Police, move! Move, move, get down. What's your background, Jedediah? Here we are.
1: Get some clean shots, man. My my, my pulse rate is probably as high as it's going to be all day. <laughs> but, uh,
0: it is it is one of those. I it, really is, think- it is one of those scenes, right? That 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 uh, that Brian Eno track that's underscoring it is subconsciously elevating everything. And as soon as as soon as Casals, which the, the awesome West Judy, catches that long glimpse, he goes there's already they're already in the car. You're like, here we go. Here we go!
1: Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Yeah, and I love that uh, Hannah on the radio is already acknowledging. Yeah, we're about to blow shit up. It's <laughs> there's no taking these guys any other way. When you shoot, not if you shoot, but when you shoot, get clean shots and all that. That's uh, yeah, we're we're about to get bloody. Um, and yeah, I think Brian Eno is clearly the star of this minute.
0: <laughs> yes, he uh, is.
1: Nothing, because as soon as the shooting the shooting starts, I remember 1995 watching it in the theater, and I loved it. I love it more now. But uh, you know, I, I was I was fairly young. I hadn't seen a whole lot of stuff like this. But my big takeaway, I saw it with a friend, and talking about it afterwards, our big takeaway was there was no music during that shootout. <laughs> like yes, it, the soundtrack drops away, and it's just you know, I mean. To be honest, they they could have played something really loud and and heavy, and you never would have heard it because the guns are so loud. But uh, but I remember there there was a, it was a big deal that the the new sound system that the theater had, had put in, and and hearing the bullets plink off of you know things falling to the ground all around you and that that surround sound. It was there was no music. It was so intense. And uh, but yeah, Brian Nino, I think wins the minute with uh, with that. <laughs>
0: Piece. I'm, going to, I'm going to flip it and say, right at the beginning of the minute, we're watching Tom Sizemore and Michael Trader walk walk the last few steps to the car. And there's some really good sort of trade craft here. He wanders up to the car. The first thing he does is he opens the front door for Neil. doesn't even open the back door. And then when he opens the back door, he scooches right over um, to the other side and sort of fills it in so that immediately as Chris and Neil exit the bank, they can get straight in. There's no faffing about and they can get in there. But this is where you show like the true action is the juice moment because you've all, in all this intensity and like even, even Dennis Haysbert's like really stoic and really firm and his jaws clench really tight and here's Tom Sizemore like back slapping, like woohoo, this is it. This is my fun for the day. Like it's such, it's like so cool, a little performance note and it's not out of place. It's just perfect for that character in that moment to be having a good time and like the action is the juice, is his words. But it literally is in this moment.
1: That's uh yeah that's that's the thing this is his this is what he's here for you know if uh, you know when he he makes the decision he's going to go with Neil whatever you do I'm going to do it. you know you could tell he'd be really disappointed if Neil had said yeah I think we should walk away from this score because uh, this is clearly what he's on earth to do
0: yeah when when you're watching this in 1995 apart. Uh, Apart from the sound or seeing this movie, like, what are the other things um about this heist that really struck you? Is it like were you because, you know, you're a noir guy and 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 crime fiction is is your beat. And so when you're watching this and you see these guys go and do this job, is it like it, what what what's triggering for you when you're watching it? Are you going, God, these guys are so good? Or like, are you as shocked in the lead up to this that like Chris doesn't even care about putting his balaclava on or how effortlessly they walk out? What are the other things that you're like jiving with uh, all, all throughout this heist?
1: Well, I am... I, I mean, crime, fiction and film uh, are, are absolutely my thing. That's what I'm into. But at the time I saw this, I didn't know that. I liked movies a lot. Um I'd seen Last of the Mohicans several times and loved it. I think this is probably the only the second Michael Mann movie uh that I I'd, I'd seen at this point, you know. So his name didn't really mean much. I probably knew that oh this is the guy who did Last of the Mohicans, but you know, people don't usually cite Last of the Mohicans as uh you know, the ultimate Michael Mann movie. Um yeah, I I think it's a great movie. I love it, but it's, it's you know, in his it, top it's, it's in the top five outside.
0: It's in the top five yeah, conversation, it's, but it's never in the top three or the top two.
1: Yeah, you never point to it as an example of here's what Michael Mann does really well, though he's doing what he does really well all the way through the movie. It just I guess because it's a, a historical piece, a period piece, uh and it stands a little bit outside outside what you immediately associate with Michael Mann. And so, you know, I didn't really you know, I'd seen trailers for it, uh, you know, frankly I was probably as excited to see Val Kilmer as I was to see uh you know, De Niro or Pacino when when it came out. Um, but it's one of those movies that revisiting it, you know, I knew I liked it right away, but it's only grown for me, uh in with repeat viewings and with Discovering the rest of Michael Mann's body of work, um, and, and you know, picking those things out of it. You know, I tend to think of Heat as the kind of greatest hits of Michael Mann. It's 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 arguable whether it's his best movie, but it's kind of his ultimate movie. Uh, I don't I don't think anything else is is a better example of of what he does. Um, so watching it. When that uh, bank heist happens, you know I um, I was absolutely jazzed by it. I um, just the the balls on these guys, you know, to walk in. Yes. Uh, and, you know, Michael uh, Cerrito has that little uh, that little smile right before he saps the guard. You know, uh, you know he's clearly loving it. But yeah, they just calmly put on those masks, and then they they just hit a switch and they're ferocious and scary as hell and very well choreographed. And, you know, they move, they move slick. There's no hesitation in anything they do. And, uh, and then they're out the door and they're gone. And, you know, if, if everything had gone well, they'd probably be, uh, you know, having drinks or something like that, as we've seen them do in other post heist, uh, moments throughout the film, um, they just flip the switch and they go and yeah, it, it uh, though everything about it rocks right from the beginning. It just took several years and, and several rewatches for me to, uh, pick it apart more and go, here's what's really exciting to me about it. So, yeah. I, I love what
0: you said earlier around this being Michael Mann's greatest hits movie. And maybe it's not his best movie, but it's like everything that he is. And it was like earlier today, I was just flicking through Twitter and, um, Scott Derrickson was writing about M. Night Shyamalan who he's like, and he wrote, I love that M. Night has returned unrelentingly to making thrillers direct. And this is his, his quote directors should not strive to emulate the films they most admire, but to make what they are best at making what is in them and what they're good at. And I just read that this morning before we were going to chat. And I was like, that's as soon as you said that Michael Mann greatest hits like in this moment, that's what this is. Like this guy, Michael Mann, as a filmmaker, is is flicking the switch and is making the thing that's been inside him that he's been working toward his whole life almost. And it's it's all of that stuff coming together for this movie. Um and in and in this scene and in this minute, it's just like the the orchestration, it's 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 the payoff, it's the planning, it's like this whole big movie is is uh, you know people people have talked about on the shows as we've been coming along and as you've been catching up on the episodes you know what's michael mann's current project what's he working on and i and i use vincent hanna's line a lot which is like we'll just see if there's any highline burglaries that have mystified the police because he's good enough <laughs> to be taking down scores even in his off time so yeah like I, I i think that that's you know it's it's when you see a filmmaker like really operating in that that area that You know, philosophical area or genre area that you know is is their best expression. They just like they just sing. There's just something about it. Michael Mann in crime, it's it's that you know that's why all those the the crime movies, the thieves, and the even the Jericho Mile. You know, his his debut TV movie or Vice. You know, people are just like that's that's this guy.
1: Absolutely, and you know, he having so much material that he'd already done verbatim in other projects whether it's la takedown or you know there's a scene directly out of crime story with dennis farina uh that's replayed you know beat for beat uh in in heat uh where uh, al pacino catches you know xander berkeley ralph in his house and he he says you can fuck my wife and <laughs> eat my food but you can't watch my motherfucking tv you know and <laughs> takes the TV and then he kicks it out of the car, uh, onto the street later. I mean, that scene is beat for beat exactly in a crime story. And, um, uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm thinking now, I think once he finished heat, I, I think he was done with those. I mean, obviously the themes continue, but, but I don't remember seeing scenes from heat, uh, replayed in other uh, michael mann projects the way things that are in heat are being replayed from from previous michael mann projects uh but yeah it's like he uh, i finally got this scene scene the uh, you know, <laughs> yeah i, fi- the, I finally level got... that it needs to be
0: yeah i finally got it you know what's so you know what's so weird is that when you're saying that as well i'm sitting here a hundred and seven episodes into a hundred and seventy episode podcast project after having written countless articles, a university thesis, um, appreciations, gushed about heat in several other podcasts uh, and and getting to this point and going, I think this podcast is finally going to like about this movie is finally going to satisfy me. For God's sake, I hope so, because I don't want to be standing there like Vincent Hanna, holding the dead hand of the thing—the one thing that was like my—that my, was my match—and just like staring off into the distance, melancholic, like <laughs> Moby playing over the background, like not knowing what to do with myself. But in some ways, that's <laughs> Michael Mann, right? Like that's—you know—you you nail everything to the pitch perfect that he was going for here, and I think you're so spot on. It's like he was working through these themes, expressing them little flares and touches on television, television movies verbatim with LA Takedown, and then he finally gets it. It's like it's that second or third chance or fourth chance or fifth chance to get something, and you just throw the kitchen sink at it with all the right cast, and, and it, it all comes off better than he could have ever imagined.
1: Yeah. And, you know, listening to your show, i got to say, this is an impressive collection of nerds. You I mean, <laughs> really, really, I, I'm, I'm outclassed. <laughs> uh, in a lot of ways because uh, you know I, I, you guys know the dates things were shot on and the uh, you know what kind of preparation went into things I don't know any of that frankly I don't really care about any of that I like listening to you guys talk about it I just like watching it and yes. you know I don't generally watch directors commentaries things like that would I go see Michael Mann talk absolutely I'd go see Michael Mann talk but but I, you know I think what he's not going to say anything in person better than the way he says it on film. And I'd just rather watch the film again and again. And, and so that's, that's what I do. I don't know, uh, was LA takedown, uh, do you, do you know, was it made with the thought that, uh, I'm going to redo it, you know, I'm going to no, def- do it again and I'm going to, uh,
0: definitely not. I think LA takedown was thought of, as, um, so there's some conjecture in things that I've read and so I'll make sure I, I put a uh, an asterisk on that and just say this conjecture saying that was LA Takedown made to be the beginning of a television show kind of like a robbery, what Robbery Homicide Division eventually like aspirationally was which was to, you know, kick it off with someone like the Vincent Hanna character and then just keep running with it like, and then have huge villains much in the way that Miami Vice had, like you have these huge overarching, you know, series long villains that you're pursuing while, you know, tackling other things. And I think LA takedown was Michael Mann trying to find a way to have an expression of this, you know, this great Charlie Adamson story into, into, you know, film or or TV movie and decide what was going to happen from there. When it didn't, when it didn't go much further than the tv movie i think they abandoned the idea or the prospect of going you know via tv again but i don't think he'd ever thought that it was just going to be a tester it was it was he he thought that he was done with it and i guess you as an author as well and me as a writer and sometimes like you know that that question of when things are done um it's almost an impossible question to ask for something that's like a long enduring project. Like how long is a piece of string? How long is this thing going to go for? And I think with Michael Mann here, he's like, he he tried it. And, you know, when he knew it didn't come off, but he saw the potential, I think that's what still sort of scratched at him where he was like, I think there's a way to tell this story on a bigger scale than with more ambition perhaps than I had originally. And it just, and, you know, I just need, I, I needed to do that to see all the things I would change.
1: That's funny, because he does you know themes I think are way more important than say characters are for him, and and themes are more important than say plot is yes. for him, uh, but you know he, like a, like say a musician, a blues musician or a jazz musician, uh, he's working within a a, a framework. Um, and he's just kind of improvising, or, or not necessarily improvising. Obviously, he does a lot of preparation and things like that, but he's variations on this thing, and there's a discipline to it, but there's a, you know, you don't you don't get mad that uh, some great blues musician put out another song, and it's, oh, he's doing the 12-bar thing again. You know, I don't... Yes. That, that, <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't get upset about that. In the same way, Michael Mann has got these things that drive him, and he keeps going with them. And he's he's still doing that, even though there's not, like I said, I've not noticed things from Heat showing up uh, in later work. Uh, he's still doing that. You know, the you talked about robbery-homicide division. And, I mean, the plot of, I want to say it was episode 8 or 9, uh, is exactly the plot of the Miami Vice movie. Um, so it's, uh, you know, he's clearly... And it's not, it's not an amazing plot. It's it's a pretty, it's a sturdy plot, Uh, but it's not that story had to be told. It's uh, that uh, I think that's a framework he's comfortable working in, uh, doing the things that interest him. And um, uh, yeah, I I didn't want to say that he doesn't have characters that the people don't seem flesh and blood. They they do seem flesh and blood. They do seem like real people, but they are very, you know, we we kind of only see a little glimpses of who they are. Um, uh, they, we see this one aspect of, of their life, but we don't, uh, they seem authentic, but they don't, they're not exactly known.
0: Yeah, and I think all of his characters, what really works for him, just to jump on what you just said there, Jedidiah, it's like... What really works for him is when he constricts people, uh, constricts the story to this like framework. It's like a genre, you know. It's much of the same um, confines that really great genre filmmakers, you know, Im- impose on themselves when they're working in particular genres, um, because you know there's certain things that you know is expected to happen, and it's all the ways that you massage and you tweak it and you um, subvert the audience's expectations that make it really work. But it's within the confines of his structure there's also these characters that have this innate programming it's almost like these are the things you expect these characters to do and what's great about Michael Mann is that he might have a character that fits the program according to the structure but what is also pretty outstanding is um, the way that he makes you understand what every character's choices are and if it's a tough choice If it's the most impossible choice, you watch them agonize over those choices or make the wrong decision and then deal with the fallout. I think that's what's really great is that like throughout this big thing, we're we're always getting these agonizing moments, these crossroads where people are about to make a decision and we're having to deal with that. And like, you know, even at the beginning of this minute, you've got – two guys you know one's backslapping a guy who's just agonized over this decision to do it and another guy's cartwheeling like woohoo like this is what i live for and so i think that that's you know they're playing their roles but it's like the the very best of the michael mann movies um are, are actors that are really great at portraying that that impulse and that programming if you like
1: yeah yeah and then, i mean yeah i like I like Tom Sizemore as a performer a lot. I don't think uh, he, he rarely got the chance to be as uh as upfront and uh, center and, and doing this kind of role
0: couldn't agree um,
1: at this level. Um, but you know, he's such a great great performer and great presence in this film. Val Kilmer how how dead-eyed scary is he in <laughs> like those diner beans and you know he's got those little scars around his eyes and things like but he is uh, you know uh, he came absolutely alive he shook off the ghost of jim morrison for like one movie and and he was scary as hell in this uh, in this flick and um uh you know obviously the people working with man he picks Picks people uh, for what he, they can do, but but they obviously step up and and do uh, they they do do quite the job.
0: Oh yeah, I I, I love so, it. I, I lo- mean, even Bud
1: Court, <laughs> <laughs>
0: freaking Bud Court. What a jerk he is in this the movie. The guy
1: to intimidate Dennis Haysbert, right?
0: <laughs> yes, and and he did it. He nailed
1: it. It's Like amazing,
0: yeah. amazing. The the Val going back to Val. Like I think Val Kilmer, they tried to make him too charming. Like, and even you know when people say you know Batman Forever, picking him as Batman, I don't think it's a bad choice ever to at this time to have this to have Batman. But they had him play happy sunny Batman instead of like stone cold sociopath Batman, because this guy's like when he's at his at his career heights, it's always you know st- like. I, it's always stone cold sociopath, or just like insane. And you look at him like as Jim Morrison, or as Doc Holliday, or as Chris Chaelus, and they're like they're the top three performances of his career in my mind. And like, and you know, or just you know, ferocious and sardonic like Gay Perry in in um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Like you know, he's not he's not a nice guy. And I think anytime anyone tries to play him as a nice guy, it fails. But when you play him as this guy. Like this stone cold shark with you know blonde hair. Like this is this is what he is.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I'd take exception for Nick Rivers and Top Secret. Oh, Top
0: Secret, uh, yeah. Matt Hardigan and Willow.
1: I mean, come on, <laughs> he's pretty got a lot of charisma and, and uh, dashing do about him. Uh, but you're right. He's this is a totally uh, just a granite granite character. And there's that one point. Where he uh, he confesses to De Niro that the you know the sun rises and sets with Ashley Judd that the you know he's um, that that relationship means that much to him you wouldn't you wouldn't guess it watching him but he's when he's working he is so in the zone uh, he's scary scary as hell
0: what do you think some of the what do you think it is about Heat as a heist film that it gets so right about a heist, because crime, you know, th- there seem to be great crime films, and there are great heist films, but there seem to the high like the actual heist films they seem to be so much more sporadic, you know the the like a, how to deal with a great heist film you know, um, and, and you know I really adored Logan Lucky, you know, but that was very much in the in the model of the originals Ocean's Eleven, but with you know just in my mind, a, a much funner crew um, uh, than the original Ocean guys. probably. Um, you get like Dog Day Afternoon. I mean, Inside Man was really, you know, really, you know, punching um, Quick Change, which is a, a Bill Murray, a great Bill Murray film, which probably did the Inside Man concept, you know, 20 years earlier um, without any of the sort of political machinations. And then uh, they don't seem to come up as much like a great heist film. They, they're around, but the heist seemed to, you know, fall flat. Yeah, the
1: last one was probably Sexy Beast, I'd say. Yes. That was, you know, the last one I look back on. Now, I like heist films, and I like to watch them, and I, I've enjoyed many since. But when you say, what's a great one? I'd say, you know, Sexy Beast is probably one. the last last great one uh, that I've seen, um, unless you count something like uh, Animal Kingdom where you don't actually get any heists, but it's very much about a you know a heist crew. Um, but uh, but I think what what works so well for Heat uh, and works for Thief and works for other stuff is that uh, Michael Mann is uh, pretty obsessed with process. Uh, that you know you've got the Tom Noonan Kelso character, you've got the John Voight Nate character, um, these guys who. You know they're not thieves exactly they're the planners they're the facilitators they're the middlemen you've got uh, you know on the other side of that you've got the, um, the, you know, William Fickner and and yeah, uh, Roger
0: Vincent yep
1: Henry Rollins and things like that you know they're these these people who exist in this world and they have their little roles but they're little cogs that make uh, this wheel turn and so you see you know Heist films tend to get too cute, you know, they're it's like a magic show, uh, that suddenly oh, you got the loot or you got what you're after and then uh there's this little you know, kind of uh for the cheap seats um reveal of, you know, the very broad strokes, you're like, How much fucking time did it take to put that together? Are you kidding? Who reverse engineered <laughs> this this you know I mean, I think talking to the oceans films. I, I actually think Oceans Twelve is maybe uh, underappreciated for being so stupid. I mean, it, it just. I mean, it, it's reveal after reveal after reveal uh, until you know. I think it's it's one of Soderbergh's most playful films, and it's it's fun for that. But my god, is it stupid?
0: It's really it stupid. It goes
1: to the, and it it, you know it. It's like, well, yeah, you you know, we're just uh just pulling this out of our ass, and it's 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 dumb, dumb, dumb. Uh, and that's and that's one... and
0: that's what and that's what's so much better about something like Logan Lucky, which is that it is about process. Yeah. and it is actually hot. Like they're doing things with process, and things mess up, and there are pratfalls, but it's a process. Like they're putting money in bags, and those bags have to go to a truck. And, you know, and, and right. someone has to be driving that truck. And if they're going to bust someone out of jail, they're going to, to find a way to make it happen. And it is silly, but they're like, I'm going to show you all the things that we did to make this somewhat plausible, that it could happen. Um, but, right. yeah, like in Ocean Swell, they abandoned that. They they abandoned, they abandoned <laughs> the rules. Good. They abandoned all the rules about what what is plausible in real life in physics. And they're like, all right, this is what it is.
1: Yeah. But, in this one, you know you gotta have a fake i d to go to Arizona or wherever to buy the explosives. you got to have uh you know this Kelso guy who just sits in his wheelchair and snatches information out of the air and and you know plays around with, and he sells these ideas. And you got Nate who you know connects people he can get you. A, IDs and he can get you a you know Jeremy Piven doctor and things like that.
0: Uh, but a uh, uh, Jeremy
1: you know, Piven the, doctor the, is uh,
0: is something I've never needed. But, um, <laughs> but but maybe we we need to get that needs to be in the yellow pages. I want a Jeremy Piven doctor the next time who who I leave with his shirt. Uh,
1: absolutely, something that kills me is Jordan Harper had a script about a Jeremy Piven doctor for a, a TV show that uh, God it would have been great. Um, and I don't know why nobody bid on that. If anybody's listening, seek Jordan Harper out, look for his mob doctor, uh, script. Cause it's, it's excellent.
0: Oh, that sounds um, great. That sounds great. Especially if it's like a vet, cause that's, what's cool about, um, you know, that they can't really go to the right doctor. They've got to go to like a vet or something right. like that. Who Who's just he's doing, doing do their damn best. And playing God, you know, yeah, yeah.
1: he's disgraced. He's, He's a druggie and just, and you know, loses his license or something like that. Oh, that's good. Well, Jordan's um, going to
0: be back on the show. I'm going to definitely mention it to him. I'm going to definitely mention it again. Oh,
1: yeah. No, definitely do. That guy is uh, – he's he's really terrific. Um, uh, something that uh, struck me um, is uh, watching this that um, there's not much dialogue in this minute. No. Uh, but the lines, the lines that are there uh, – uh, specifically with uh, Vincent Hanna, you know, get clean shots, watch your background. It's almost, it really struck me that I think Vincent is Michael Mann's stand-in in this movie. Really? Um, that that's it, a great... It really that's a... is kind of a, it's a romance between, uh, you know, uh, between Hanna and Macaulay. And and it's it's really very much hannah's obsession with macaulay not the other way around you know he's he's sharp he's uh he loves him he's just fascinated with this guy and going after him and very much the way you know a romantic um, uh, relationship is, is is played in in most movies um he's obsessed with him he is you know he's only what he's chasing and uh he admires him so much um and I, it's almost like in that scene, which is so busy, there are so many cars, there are so many people on the streets i mean watch uh watch l a take down and it's a much much less populated uh shots you know and I'm sure most of that's the budget, yes, but there are so many moving parts in this uh scene that really do uh sell uh, give a lot of impact you know watching the difference between the la takedown shootout and and the uh, uh the heat shootout is it's it's those things really do make a difference and it's i think those lines are almost michael mann talking to himself you know watch your background get clean shots get you know uh pay attention to the craft. Now we're coming right down to it. Do your job, do it right, stick to the fundamentals, and just, you know, execute correctly. And and that just struck me that, uh, um, you know, you talked about the end of this podcast, you don't want to be sitting there holding your, you know, dead Neil Macaulay <laughs> in your hand and going, ah, there was so much more we could have done with, you know, am I finally ready to let this guy go? And And I think that's, probably a good thing that uh, la takedown didn't become a Vincent Hanna tv show uh because you know would we have ever ended up with this which and and i think that because because hannah and i think um uh michael mann are they're in love with macaulay you know that's he is absolutely fascinating to them they're you know they're Absolutely disciplined, and uh, they've got great instincts, and they're going to chase him down. Um, but you know, if you look at the the things that have fascinated Michael Mann, uh, I, I think I think the criminals fascinate him more than the cops do, and you know, the cops are kind of a they're his eyes in to the world, and um, you know, he admires their. Uh, what they do but uh but it's these guys out there kind of you know treating the the civilized world like it's still the wild west essentially yes um, that really kind of are romantic figures to him and uh definitely something he's uh he's fascinated by and, and chasing down you know capturing them you know he shows us so much process in these movies um yeah, you, know, you got to break in and disable the alarms the night before. You know, you got to. You can go in hard and on the prowl. You got to be able to be versatile that way. You got to.
0: But uh, but but also, when the time comes, all that talk of capturing them, like we get really truly to, it's like that 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 dialogue's so double. It's like a, it's got that double great double meaning. You know, watch your background, get clean shots. And so that's like a a blueprint for him and his film crew, like in this moment. But at the same time, it's... Right, exactly. But at at the same time, it's... This is a gunfight. There's no capturing here. And it's like... It's even done in a very procedural manner, as you said. It's like, get clean shot to watch your background. Like, that's not like, you know, you know no one comes out of here alive or something like that. It's not quite as dramatic, but it's so cool. It's way cooler than the more sort of contrived BS that we've seen in every other movie. But it, it, I think you nailed it so perfectly there, Jedi, which is like, it's, this is where the stakes just go. No, we're just going to shoot them. Like, cause they're not going to be taken alive. Yeah. There's no way.
1: They're not going to be taken alive. And we'd probably, frankly, probably wouldn't admire him the way we do. If, uh, if that were the, um, if, if that were a, a, a real possibility, you know, he's just, he sees the Macaulay character as is out there doing his thing high wire without a net. And, uh, and it's, it's kind of a beautiful thing for him. You know, it's much different than, um, uh, you know, like the Wayne character or something like that, who's, who's just kind of a, you know, something you want to step on and, and extinguish and put <laughs> out, I think, yes. uh, you know, Macaulay's this—he's uh, a real—he's a—he's a, a real—he—not uh, hero. He's a real uh, romantic figure that that you want to. And I think when when man is the way he's capturing him or killing him is by showing how he does this stuff. I mean, uh, you know, those idiots who pulled the. You know the the North Hollywood uh, yes. shootout. You know, they, I mean, they clearly didn't. They maybe they were inspired, got an idea from this, <laughs> or something. But you know, they didn't do the work. They didn't. Uh, you know,
0: they needed a Kelso. People. They needed a Kelso. They needed some right. tactical training. Uh,
1: but by just kind of painting this procedural, here's how we do it. Here's how we go in. Here's how we. You know, you're essentially you're potentially putting putting uh I'm, I'm not saying putting ideas in people's heads i'm actually saying you're you're maybe exposing you're like like exposing the way magicians do their craft and it's like ah you, you know maybe maybe uh the good one's always got to be improving and improvising and going further but uh you know so many people will probably be like well you just killed my whole <laughs> my yes. whole shtick now the wonder has <laughs> gone Everybody knows how I do this, and uh, and I, I think that is kind of like holding uh, holding dead Neil at the airport at the end <laughs> of the film. Uh, he's just well, you got me. You showed everything, and uh, you, you took me down, and uh, so there's this bittersweet like I'm. He's driven to do it, but he kind of hates accomplishing his goal at the same time i've i've exposed everything and i've, I've uh, you know where to next what, what's going to be the next big prey that comes around that really grabs my attention and my affections the way uh this
0: one has well i think that is the perfect way to end this episode as jedediah airs fills me with dread at the prospect of ending this podcast <laughs> in like sixty-three episodes' time, with what what is the next Neil Macaulay on my highline? Because I feel like Michael Mann may be a cipher. Oh, sorry, Vincent Hanna might be a cipher for Michael Mann. That I too have uh, have cottoned onto that same obsession because I'm just as obsessed with Neil and Vincent in this movie. Um, and so there's that bittersweet accomplishment that comes with it. But look, ladies and gents, this has been another episode of One Hit Minute. Jedidiah, it's been an absolute pleasure um, to chat, and thank you so much for your support. And uh, this has been a great convo, and I loved, um, I just loved thinking about those uh, those lines of dialogue, those few lines of dialogue. I'm going to go back and watch them again and again because they are they're just this understated, you know, understated call to action that uh, that has sort of. Passed me by in previous viewing, so thank you so much for that. Um, guys, if you want to follow Jedidiah, the best place to look for him is at Jedidiah Airs um, on Twitter, which I'll spell J E D I D I A H A Y E R S. Um, his blog, Hardboiled One R E S,
1: actually.
0: Oh, sorry, R E S. Did I get that wrong? Sorry, I'm sorry, 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 everybody does that. It. I spelled it wrong, sorry, mate. Yeah, um, no, uh, that's okay. And he, the link to his blog, um, Hardblood Wonderland, is there. And if you go to any um, you know, your Amazons, your Goodreads, you can find um, his work, um, Peckerwood particularly. Um, you can check that out. I'm going to check that out. I get that on Kindle myself. Jedediah, thanks so much for being a part of the show.
1: Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Uh, thanks for doing the podcast, so I didn't have
0: to. <laughs> You're welcome. Guys, this has been another episode of One Heat Minute. I'm Blake Howard. You can always find me at Batman on Twitter. Um, One Heat Minute for everything else. We are everywhere you find your podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, subscribe, rate, review. We would love to hear your feedback. Flick us an email to mail at oneheatminute.com if you want to. um, There's been some great correspondence a few episodes ago. We read them out, so I'll collect them. And in an upcoming episode, if you've got anything to say, um, please send it through. We will check that out. But we'll catch you on another episode of One Heat Minute just around the corner and in fact because i know this is going up today you're going to have an extra special treat of multiple episodes today so we'll catch you on multiple episodes of one eight minute coming right around the
1: corner